0: Hey, yes, sweet people. Welcome back to Purple's Chronicles. So the last time, I was giving you a brief about how my opponent raised objections to the statements of other persons being marked. Three points were raised by the opponent at the first instance. The first point was that the witness was himself not authorized to lead evidence. The second, that the witness was not in service when he gave evidence. And the third, that the witness was not competent to give evidence because his name did not figure in any of the records. Now, we answered these contentions. First, that the application was filed by the management to recall the witness to the box. This itself shows that the witness was authorized by the management. So in this case, there was no need for a separate authorization. Then we answered the second point, that the witness was very much in service when he rendered evidence and he was only cross-examined after he left the services of the company. And in any event, his being in service or not, did not matter to his being a witness. Third point that we had to answer was regarding the name of the witness not being there in any of the records. This was a very easy task, because The witness in his evidence had stated that he took the three people before the notary to get their statements notarized. The opponent had not cross-examined the witness on this aspect, and hence we contended that the opponent has accepted that he was a part of whatever happened, and therefore the objection of the opponent did not stand. Now my flustered opponent got up to raise a few more objections. His first objection was that the notary himself had not been produced, and that the persons who authored the exhibits were also not before the court, and that therefore none of these documents or statements can be taken on record. So again, we answered these points. The first point was that the notary in this case was no more and we had to get the notary done because we anticipated that these witnesses may be forced to change their statement in future. Further, in every case, all evidence by way of affidavits are rendered after notarizing the same. None of the cases required the notary to be present for the affidavit to be written on record. And so, there is no need for the notary to be brought. Now we came to the point regarding the witnesses who gave their statements not being present before the court. We explained to the court that when the witnesses gave their statements, we anticipated that we may not be able to trace them in future or that they may be forced by the opponent to go back on their statements. Since we expected the dispute or litigation to go on for long term, we took them to the notary to verify their statements and the same was done by the notary. In the absence of any material to the contrary that the statements were forced, correctness of the content should be accepted. Lastly, we explained the scope of the case. And here is the most important piece. The Law on Loss of Confidence. So to give you a background about how actually termination can happen, If an employee commits a misconduct, he is usually given a statement of allegations which is called a charge sheet, and then an inquiry is conducted into the matter. And if he is found guilty, his services are terminated based on the guilt. Now there are other cases where the management loses faith in the employee and wants to part ways, post which the termination of services occur for the loss of confidence. In such cases, no inquiry is conducted. It is a matter of faith and trust and the Supreme Court had held that you cannot force an employer to retain an employee who has lost the confidence of the employer. So we explained to the court that the scope of this case was not regarding proving the guilt of the employee, but only to show to the court that the management had sufficient material before it to lose faith in the employee. Essentially, the management had to establish that it had a genuine reason to lose faith in the employee and therefore terminate the services of the employee for loss of confidence. It was not about proving the material beforehand, but a case where the loss of confidence had to be genuine, bona fide and without being a reason to terminate the services of the employee as a means of victimization. All this was argued before the court by a learned senior counsel. Yes, my father. And then I filed a detailed written synopsis. And then the nail-biting wait began. But soon we had the order. And yes, it was in our favor, a wonderful moment. Because though it was technically not a precedent, it was something that would carry a persuasive value with all other courts of the same cadre. And that was a landmark victory. Then the case continued to go on to be decided on the merits. This bit I will explain in my next podcast. So see you soon with another episode. Stay happy. Bye-bye.